The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. The Chinese capital may have just experienced its first snowfall of the winter recently, but when it comes to the country's business scene, things are definitely heating up. In hot pharmaceutical news, Merck is hoping to bring a COVID-19 pill to the world's biggest consumer market. Temperatures are also rising in global trade, as China's exports have surged. But then again, we'll also be hearing investor enthusiasm for Chinese internet companies seems to be cooling significantly. With all the news that counts delivered with great warmth by your host, here's your weekly roundup from the world of China business news. And we kick off with one story which has been getting a lot of attention, and that's all about the stocking up on food supplies. Last week, China's Commerce Ministry told local authorities to encourage households to keep certain stocks of daily necessities, like meat and vegetables, in the upcoming winter and spring in case of any emergency. That notice set off concerns about a potential food shortage. However, sources at the Commerce Ministry have now called on people not to read too much into the statement. They told Caixin that the notice is a regular seasonal move aiming to ensure adequate supplies and stable prices of daily necessities. Now let's turn to the latest on trade. Despite the chaos in the global supply chain, China experienced a boom in exports last month. According to the country's official data, exports jumped roughly 27% in dollar terms in October year-on-year from a year earlier to just over $300 billion. This marks the 13th month in a row that the Asian giant has seen double-digit growth in its exports. In the meantime, imports grew nearly 21%, leading to a trade surplus of about $85 billion. According to Bloomberg, China's trade growth has remained well above pre-pandemic levels all year, while its exports through October have already surpassed all of 2020. In geopolitical news, Beijing is gearing up to impose punitive measures against, quote, diehard Taiwan separatists, unquote, and investigate them for criminal acts. Zhu Fenglian, spokesperson for China's Taiwan Affairs Office, broke the news. 
Zhu said that the measures include prohibiting such separatists and their relatives from entering the Chinese mainland and the special administrative regions of Hong Kong and Macau, as well as restricting cooperation between their affiliated organizations and mainland entities. They also include banning affiliated companies and financial supporters of the separatists from earning profits on the mainland. According to the spokesperson, all of this comes after a small number of diehard separatists, quote, have been trying to incite cross-strait confrontation, maliciously attacking and slandering the mainland, and colluding with external forces to divide the country, which, Zhu says, seriously damages cross-strait relations and seriously harms the common interests of compatriots on both sides and the fundamental interests of the Chinese nation. And there is possibly exciting news for any one of our listeners based on the Chinese mainland. You just might be able to visit Hong Kong without undergoing quarantine. Last week, Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, said that the financial hub may see a large-scale reopening of its border with the Chinese mainland as early as February. The news comes as Hong Kong has brought its COVID-19 pandemic largely under control. Lam delivered her thoughts at a Friday forum on the development of the Guangdong, Hong Kong, Macau, Greater Bay Area. She said she expects to hold more major events after the quarantine-free travel resumes between the two sides. Lam said all sectors of Hong Kong society are eagerly looking forward to traveling to the mainland without going through quarantine, adding that exchanges between experts and the two sides have made good progress, and that she hoped to bring some good news soon. Last week also saw some promising news on a digital cross-border payment system between Asia and the Middle East. A total of 22 banks and financial institutions from the Chinese mainland, the United Arab Emirates, Hong Kong, and Thailand participated in the study of the Multiple Central Bank Digital Currency Bridge Project. According to a new report released at the Hong Kong FinTech Week conference, in the eight months since its launch, the trial made progress. In particular, the collaboration among the central banks of the four jurisdictions completed more than 2 billion yuan, or around $312 million, of cross-border transactions. The project aims to facilitate real-time cross-border foreign exchange transactions in a multiple jurisdictional context and explore cross-border business usage employing domestic and foreign currencies. In some other remarkable news, please excuse that terrible pun which I did not write, that was all Nandini, one big international pharma player is hoping to bring its COVID-19 medicine to China. That company in question is, if you haven't guessed, Merck, which has said it's cooperating with the Asian nation's watchdogs to see whether there's any scope to bring its COVID pill to the world's second-largest economy. According to Bloomberg, the drug, Molnupiravir, received its first approval in the UK last weekend after clinical studies showed it prevented hospitalization by half among mild and moderate patients. The medicine is still awaiting approval in both the U.S. and the E.U. and has been touted by some as, along with mass vaccinations, of course, a way out of the pandemic. And possibly feeling less remarkable are the Chinese internet companies. In the third quarter, the total market value of the 176 listed Chinese internet firms fell by more than 5 trillion yuan, or over $780 billion, sinking more than nearly 20% year-on-year. 
That's according to a research institute under the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology. The news comes amid an ongoing wave of tougher regulations and bolstered enforcement that has spooked investors. Since late last year, various regulators overseeing Internet companies have issued new rules affecting Internet firms, including heightened scrutiny over data security, as well as handing out stinging antitrust penalties. Let's turn now to Caixin Global company news reporter Kelsey Chung, who joins us from Beijing. Hey there, Kelsey. Hi, Kaiser. Thank you so much for having me. So, Kelsey, you're here to talk to us about the Chinese online shopping bonanza that is Double Eleven. So how would you describe Double Eleven as somebody who, for whatever reason, had never heard of it before? So Double uh, Eleven was launched by Alibaba in 2009, and it originally capitalized on an unofficial November 11 holiday that celebrated single people, uh, sort of like an anti-Valentine's Day, if you will. And on Double Eleven, Alibaba's online marketplaces, Taobao and Tmall, offer heavy discounts and uh, big deals for shoppers. It actually started as a one-day event with only 27 participating brands, uh, but it has since grown into a three-week-long shopping bonanza across the whole e-commerce sector. This year, Alibaba says there are a total of 290,000 brands participating on its platforms. Given its scale, which outstrips the sales of U.S. Uh, shopping holidays like Black Friday and Cyber Monday, the event has significant economic implications. Last year, products worth a record 498 billion yuan, that's 75 billion U.S. dollars, were sold on Alibaba's platforms alone. That's nearly twice uh, their figure in 2019. Its rival, Jingdong, posted 271 billion yuan in sales, up from 204 billion yuan in 2019. I understand that things are different this year, in part because the big tech platforms have been ordered to take down the walls from their so-called walled gardens. Um, you have written about this, Kelsey. So can you explain what's going on here? Yes, uh, that's right. So for years, uh, it has been a very common practice for China's major tech companies to block links from rivals on their apps. This walled garden approach uh, is used to protect a company's own ecosystem, um, stop other competitors from growing, and discourage users from spending their cash elsewhere. So, for example, uh, links from ByteDance uh, Douyin and their workplace tool Feishu. Uh, if if you share a link to ten, uh, share those links to Tencent's WeChat, it cannot be opened smoothly. Uh, while links uh, forwarded from Taobao and Tmall from Alibaba cannot be opened directly in the app as well. This is a huge problem for users. Uh, a lot of people have been complaining about having to open different apps to open links. And there are a lot of legal tussles uh, among these companies. And so in return, uh, Alibaba has bar barred shoppers on its marketplaces from using WeChat Pay. During last year's W11, Douyin also banned links to third-party websites on its live streaming channels. But that's all about to change. In late July, the country's tech regulator, the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, specified that blocking external links is one of eight types of activities targeted in a six-month campaign to clean up the tech sector. About a month later, the market regulator issued draft gu guidelines to regulate anti-competitive practices in the industry, 
again, barring malicious link blocking. At a press conference in September, the tech regulator's general director also said authorities will be urging companies to open up links to each other's instant messaging platforms step by step. So that reiterates the whole uh, regulatory scrutiny over the practice and saying that the practice interferes with users' experience, harms their rights, and disrupts the market. So uh, finally, on September 17th, Tencent made the first move by allowing WeChat users to share external links, including those of Alibaba's platforms and Douyin in private, private chats. And just recently, Alibaba also confirmed that people can now use WeChat Pay to make purchases on some of its apps, um, including video site Youku, uh, online ticketing platform Damai, and food delivery app Ulama. But WeChat Pay is still not available on Taobao and Tmall this year, as of now. And Kelsey, what else is new about this year's Double Eleven? Yep. So this year, we see platforms trying to stay on the right side of regulators, but we're also seeing them relying on new marketing campaigns and new social features. In the past, um, Double Eleven pre-sales always began at midnight, so it has been quite common for people to pull all-nighters to place orders on their phones. Um, but this year, Tmall and JD.com's pre-sales began four hours earlier at 8 p.m. on October 20th. Another thing that Alibaba is doing differently this year is creating new ways of social selling. You see, facing intensifying competition from newer participants such as Douyin and Kuaishou, which have hundreds of millions of daily visitors, this year Alibaba has been boosting its non-traditional advertising content, focusing on putting recommendations from influencers in front of shoppers prior to the shopping festival. So this means that recommending before selling rather than moving straight to the hard sale period is the core direction of this year's Double Eleven Festival. For example, Austin Li Jiaqi, one of the most popular e-commerce live streamers in Taobao, has been adding explanatory videos during his live stream sessions in the run-up to Double Eleven. Um, he's also launched a reality show in late September that documents how his team sourced products and cut deals with brands. It's very entertaining, it's funny, and it's supposed to attract um, how brands get exposure uh, prior to the festival. Alibaba also unveiled a new feature called Zhongcao Machine, Zhongcao <laughs> Ji on Taobao, a feature that allows shoppers to search through reviews from other users and then make purchases. So which translates to planting grass, has the connotation of planting the idea to purchase a product in a consumer's mind through recommendations from influencers. We're also expecting made-in-China products and domestic brands to do really well this year, including the cosmetics and sportswear industry. Also, other trends being promoted in this year's Double Eleven are public welfare and green consumption. These come as the government has called for efforts for common prosperity and various authorities raw plans to meet the country's ambitious carbon reduction goals. On Tmall, 100 million yuan worth of green vouchers are being given out to incentivize customers to buy energy-efficient appliances and other products marked with a green certification. For its part, Jingdong said it is reducing and recycling packaging as well as making deliveries via electric vehicles. All right. Thanks, Kelsey, for filling us in on all this and for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Andini Vincata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. 
Special thanks to Lee Sin of Tyson Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. If you want to listen to our extensive back catalog of podcasts or check out more of Tyson Global's great journalism, then download our app or head online at TaishingGlobal.com. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at SupChina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.